right, daily mass right now, we're going through the gospel of Mark, which is the shortest gospel, and it just wastes zero time. Jesus just flat out gets after it right away. He is moving right away. So he shows up, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then boom, he is healing, preaching, casting out demons. He's calling the apostles and doing these mighty, mighty, mighty works. Okay, so just for context, when the gospel tonight says, Jesus departed from there and came to his native place. Where is there? There is Capernaum, okay? He's from Galilee, from Nazareth, right? But Capernaum is where he's been. What did he do there? All right, well, just a quick little rewind for a few days. Right before, those of us who had mass on uh, Saturday at the retreats heard the gospel of the storm. Jesus being asleep in the boat, the famous story where he's asleep and they're perishing and all this stuff. What's he doing? Okay, he's on a mission. That story happens because he is in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee and he decides to go all the way across the Sea of Galilee, which is like a big lake. It'd be kind of like going across Flathead Lake for those of us who are from Montana, right? And it's big. He goes all the way across in the evening, right when the storms would arise, to get to the far side of the lake of the Sea of Galilee, right, which is the area of the Decapolis. So he leaves Israel, and he goes into Gentile territory, to Greek, Decapolis, the ten cities, right, decade ten, right. Uh, So he goes there, and what does he do there? He saves one man, the famous amazing story of the Gerasene demoniac. It's the gospel we had on Monday. The man who's among the tombs, who cannot be chained by any chain to keep him subdued, but breaks those chains and lives crying out day and night among the tombs, hitting himself with rocks. And Jesus comes, casts out the demon legion, for there are many of them, casts them into the pigs, right? Off the pigs go, the cliff and they die and all that stuff and Jesus saves this one man he saves one man and then he immediately leaves that place and goes all the way back across the Sea of Galilee to get back to Capernaum so great mission one man saved then what he gets to Capernaum he's walking along the shore right because the synagogue official says my daughter's on the point of death could you please come help her While he's walking, all the crowd is pressing in on him, and one woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, who's hemorrhaging for 12 years, this is the gospel that we heard yesterday, says, if I just touch his cloak, I could be healed. She spent all her livelihood on going to every other source of healing, every other doctor, and her condition isn't better, but it's only worse. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and Mark writes, immediately power flowed out of him and healed her. And Jesus stops, who touched me? Right, who touched me? And this woman finally comes forward trembling and tells him the whole truth about her life. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go and be cured of your affliction. Right? Well, boom, huge, amazing thing. Right, now he's on mission, right? He's going to the house of Jairus whose daughter is on the verge of death. Jesus gets there, there's a huge commotion because the child is dead. And Jesus says, what's all this commotion? 
well, she's dead. Don't bother the teacher. Don't bother him anymore. The child's dead. And she's like, what's the situation? Child's not dead. She's just sleeping. And everybody in their right mind ridicules Jesus, rebukes him. She's dead. She's not sleeping. She's died. So Jesus sends them all out except the parents, James, John, and Peter. And he goes into the room where the dead child is. And he says, he takes her by the hand. And then he says, it's, it's in Aramaic, actually. It's not Greek in the gospel. Talitha kuam. This would have been Jesus' native tongue. Little girl, get up. And she arises. He brings her back from the dead. Not, this is Jesus, right? Huge. Powerful healings. So that sets the stage for tonight. <laughs> I just want you to know, the reason I told you those stories from the Gospels in the past is because there's this man who is God, who is doing work. And then he goes back to his native place. And the people think they know him. And so, where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? And then this, is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Like, we know who he is. He's really ordinary. Nazareth, by the way, you guys, it's not even a town. It's like 200 people. It's like a little hamlet, a little village. So they think they know him. They have him pegged. He can do this, and that's it, because we know him. We, knew, we know his family. We know him. He's the son of the carpenter. There's nothing really special about him. And as a result of that knowledge, which is not knowledge, as a result of being set and certain, Jesus can't do much. He goes, they took offense at him. That's the line. They're offended by him. This one who can cast out demons this one who heals miraculously, this one who raises people from the dead, they're offended by him because they know him. They got him pegged. They got him right in the box of their knowledge. And Jesus, like a prophet, is not without honor except in his native place. And he can't do anything there. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there and then the devastating line at the end. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Okay. The Lord who does amazing things does not force himself on anyone and not on any one of us. Does the Lord have the power to do amazing things in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely, because that's who he is. He's God himself. But he will not do amazing things in any of our lives if we don't trust him, if we don't let him in, if we don't invite him in to do amazing things. Because he does require faith on our part. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And the consequence of that lack of faith is not that his power is diminished, it's that his power has no home in the human heart. 
to close off our hearts is always dangerous. And it's dangerous, my friends, for us who come to Mass frequently because it's like, oh, it's just another Mass. It's just another thing I do. No, this encounter with Jesus has the power to change your life forever. This one tonight. It's not just another Mass. There's never just another Mass. It's always an encounter with the Lord who can do amazing things and who desires to do amazing things in us. Will it always be incredible spiritual fireworks? No. But the real movement of grace, the real power of God's love, isn't in those spiritual fireworks. Jesus doesn't save the world by doing an amazing miracle that everyone bows down before. He saves the world in quiet obedience to his Father's will and by dying on the cross, by loving. That's the most amazing thing that he can do. It's the most amazing thing that he did do. It's the amazing thing that is represented on the altar. That's why it's not just another mass. That's why coming here with faith, with a trust in our hearts, Jesus, I invite you in to do the most amazing thing in my heart, which is to give your love to me and for me to receive it, to receive the gift you've given, to receive the gift that is given at every Mass. That's the gift. That's the power. That's the most amazing thing that can happen to us. It's rather than amazing Jesus with our lack of faith. Let's amaze Jesus tonight with our faith. May we really trust him. May we really truly invite him into our hearts so that he might have a home and that his most amazing love would be received by each one of us tonight.